investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamachko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome investors, speculators, traders, short sellers, perhaps, uh, and everyone else to episode 51 of the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. And I'm Mike Kessling. Today is January 31st, 2020. That's right. End of the month. Got um, some really cool things happening in the market this week. First, we're going to chat about Warren Buffett's latest deal in newspapers. Is he really throwing in the towel on this business? It's a really interesting transaction that we're going to chat about. Volkswagen made an unsolicited play for Navistar and a bid to consolidate the trucking industry. What's their M&A strategy here? Casino operator Penn National invested $136 million in Barstool Sports. What makes this deal structure so interesting? And finally, Amazon hit the $1 trillion market cap mark again as its stock hit a new all-time high. And today, why did their shares rally this week? The Oracle of Omaha, his conglomerate Berkshire Hathaway, is selling its newspaper business to print media specialist Lee Enterprises for 140 million bucks. Now, these assets being sold include 30 daily newspapers, 49 weeklies, and 32 other print products. These newspapers Excluding the Buffalo News, they logged uh, nearly $400 million in revenue and about $15 million in net income last year. So Buffett's selling these uh, for roughly 9.4 times earnings, or the inverse of that being uh, 10.6% earnings yield. What's interesting is that Lee is you know, well apprised of these newspapers as they have managed them under a 2018 operating agreement that Buffett signed with Lee a number of years ago. So a lot of familiar familiarity with these assets. Now, the most interesting aspect of this deal is that people would look at this headline and be like, Buffett's throwing in the towel in a, a newspaper is a business that means a lot to him. He's been involved forever. Uh, he's acquired these assets over many decades and talks about as a in his childhood, he would uh, deliver newspapers. That's kind of how he got his start, earned his first little chunk of change, which he went on to invest. But if you actually look into it, he is increasing his exposure to the newspaper business, but in a really interesting deal here. So you've often heard of debt for equity swaps, but what's happening here is somewhat like an equity for debt swap. So he is selling the equity for $140 million. Uh, in, the, in these newspapers, but then he's turning around and lending Lee 576 million at a 9%. And this is versus the earnings yield on the newspapers were roughly kind of 10.5%. So lower earnings yield, but something more guaranteed. Obviously, it's a fixed coupon uh, where he is lending Lee north of half a billion dollars. Not just that, but more security as a lender than an equity holder. So it's certainly a very interesting deal. Not only is Buffett throwing it, not throwing in the towel on newspapers, but he's certainly certainly stepping up exposure, but in a really unique, interesting, and perhaps better way uh, to earn yield 
for Berkshire here, isn't he? Absolutely, and it's something that, as you had mentioned, is a little less volatile. It's just a diff different investment that he's making. Um, I will note that this price is about $200 million less than what he paid for 28 newspapers in 2012. Um, but as you had mentioned, you know, what's in it for Lee? Well, their blended interest rate was around 10.5% prior to this deal. Now they bring that down to 9%. So they'll save themselves about $5 million annually as well from Berkshire's side is that the deal also includes a, um, a the real estate, well, sorry, it doesn't include the real estate at which these newspapers are located at. And so what will happen is that Lee will now lease these properties from Berkshire under a 10-year agreement for $8 million annually. So now he's gone from being an equity holder in the newspaper business to being a debt holder as well as the real estate provider, a landlord. Um, as well, I mean, just looking at Lee shareholders, I mean, they loved it. The stock price going up 67% on Wednesday, you know. Um, what do you think that is? Because there's a couple things happening here. Number one, I don't think it's necessarily that shareholders are excited to get more exposure to more newspapers. I don't think they're excited about the assets. However, we should note that Lee Enterprise's stock was quite distressed. It was trading around, you know, a buck and change down pretty significantly around a four year low. I think investors were more so excited on reduction in default risk, being able to refinance that debt so it takes a near-term default off the table, so perhaps uh, some short covering in there. Absolutely, the default risk in addition to these expected cost synergies, so really just a little bit larger scale that they will be able to get their costs or, or a handle around their costs. That's really, it's, I guess it's just less pessimism as opposed to excitement in the industry. Yeah, but nonetheless, small deal for Berkshire. I mean, how much cash do they have on their balance sheet? 120 billion or something, and they're selling this for 140 million. So really a drop in the bucket. Nonetheless, quote from Buffett here. He stated that we had zero interest in selling the group to anyone else for one simple reason. We believe that Lee is best positioned to manage through the industry's challenges. So there you have it, interesting newspaper deal from the Oracle of Omaha. Interesting M&A play in the industrial space with Volkswagen subsidiary Trayton tabling a 2.9 billion, 35 bucks per share, all cash offer for American commercial truck and bus manufacturer Navistar. What Volkswagen's looking to do here, really the strategic rationale is an attempt to make inroads into the lucrative US heavy duty vehicle market. Plus it's just a classic consolidation play where they're looking to harvest those cost synergies or cost savings. Now, if successful, this deal would turn Volkswagen into one of the largest heavy duty truck players, really rivaling Daimler and Volvo. In terms of market shares, Volkswagen's subsidiary only has about 2% in North America and Navistar has 15%. This would establish some pretty serious scale at Volkswagen. Then on the Navistar side, they've been really struggling. This comes off like it's a 45% premium, so sizable. However, their stock was near a 52-week low. It has been struggling quite a bit. They recently told investors that 2020 won't be a banner year. They slashed production by about 25%. That a sharp decline in orders, particularly of heavy-duty trucks. Now, this really left the company 
vulnerable, especially since there's a number of activists involved here, isn't there? Yeah, there there is Carl Icahn, who we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, uh, and one of his prote- protégés, Mark Rucheski. And so between Icahn, Rucheski, and Volkswagen, they own just over 50% of the stock. So really, Volkswagen has to convince Icon and Icon, I will note that his cost basis is about $33.60. So at the $35 uh, unsolicited cash offer, that really doesn't do a ton for him. Although I would note that his at one point in early 2016, the stock was less than $7 per share. So, I mean, it, it has rebounded quite well for him, but it, you know, over the, the number of years that he's been invested in the, in the stock, yeah, a long time. really hasn't been that great of a return. So he would definitely be looking for a little bit more of an up bid. In terms of M&A 101, there's a bunch of interesting uh, merger and acquisition type specific terms here that's going on. So you mentioned that Volkswagen has a stake here. Of course, Volkswagen owning 17% of Navistar. Now this in uh, M&A parlance is known as a toehold. So Volkswagen already has a toehold, which makes an acquisition quite a bit easier if you already have, you know, a significant amount of control over the target already. The other thing is this was an unsolicited offer that Volkswagen made public. Uh, they published it through the media. Now, this is known in m terms as a bear hug letter, where you make an offer, then you make it public. It effectively gets the share price moving and puts the company in play. The other thing that we should discuss is the notion of a bump or an increase in consideration. They never start with their best offer. You indicated, you know, what's Carl Icahn likely to take? Obviously, he likes to see his assets being sold at a premium. That's ultimately why he's in the stock to make money. Volkswagen came in at 35 bucks per share. There's likely some flexibility on that to the upside. So I saw some on the street speculating perhaps another 10 to 20% increase. So more in into the $40 range and they could strike a friendly deal here. Certainly that seems like a decently uh, probable scenario, but we shall see on this one. The other thing that we should disclose is that we are long Navistar stock in our private equity alpha fund. And other than that, yeah, just a really interesting M&A situation that is one to watch here. Absolutely. And, and, and with regards to, I mean, lately we've seen quite a few uh, bidding wars, I guess, in a natural amount in the last number of months. And do you, do you see any potential for a bidding war in this situation outside of Volkswagen? It's really tough to say because I believe some of the others that would be interested in this type of asset would have a much tougher time in terms of antitrust approval so that may you know temper their interest somewhat so when industries really start to get concentrated like they are in auto parts uh, it takes a lot of the potential acquirers out of the picture but clearly here not a lot of market share issues as volkswagen only has two percent in north america making the path to regulatory approval far less risky than going with one of the other players that has significantly more market share. On to the next one, and this one is really interesting. What happened here is Penn National Gaming acquired a 36% stake in popular sports media publisher Barstool Sports. So if you're on Twitter or anything like that, you'll definitely be aware of Barstool Sports. This deal was for $136 million in cash and stock. As I indicated, Barstool Sports, they're really big into blog 
blogs, podcasts, social media, live events. Now they have 66 million users. So Penn National certainly looking to harvest those users for their gambling services, specifically online, which we're gonna get into. Other interesting aspect of this deal is it includes an option for Penn National to acquire at least a 50% stake in Barstool over the next three years for an additional 63 million. The main strategic rationale, or one of the main ones, is to help Penn National establish a presence in the nascent online sports betting market, which is really just still formulating. In the US, there's a lot of you know regulatory movement there. It's a very fluid, 20 states, and DC have legalized online wagering. Uh, some limit betting to casinos, while others allow online wagering, including mobile phones. So what's happening is that a lot of casino operators, such as Penn, they are looking to basically copy what's happened in Europe and Australia, and they're really racing for US customers, because the US Supreme Court in 2018 effectively cleared the way for states outside of Nevada, of course, to establish sports wagering. And really, the prize here is online betting, which is currently available in New Jersey. And numbers show that about 84% of the nearly 5 billion in sports wagers in New Jersey last year were placed online. So that's a pretty significant amount. Obviously, Penn National's shareholders love this deal. Uh, gives them access to 66 million users. They're ho hoping to really make a big play into U.S. online gambling, specifically mobile, and this Barstool Sports deal is expected to help them do that. So their stock went up quite a bit, up 11%. Really interesting transaction. What do you think of it? Yeah, so Barstool, in this situation, Barstool, they're giving up equity uh, for an injection of cash. And so what they're giving up as well is the right for or Penn to be the only uh, marketer and advertiser on their platform. And as you had mentioned, that's 66 million users. So that's obviously quite valuable to Penn. As well, Barstool, so with that ad revenue that they're giving up, that can be expected in the around $6 million per year range, at least as of last year, um, by my estimates. And what are, what are they getting for that? Well, effectively, Penn is now taking that, although they're, they're, def they're taking away that $6 million worth of revenue, working out to about 11% of Barstool's overall revenue, but they're going to now piggyback and leverage that into their own product, which as you had mentioned, it, the online betting is such a high growth area of the market. Just in New Jersey, if they were able to capture about 10% of the market, would be about $30 million annualized, and that's growing at an extremely high rate. So in a couple of years, that will be even higher. Assuming a few more states come on board, um, that number starts to look very profitable. And in terms of, you know, value creation, that would be a lot more valuable than that ad revenue that they're giving up. As well, I mean, one other thing is when, when we talk about this, effectively, it's an advertising deal for Penn. It really isn't unprecedented as 
this is effectively them paying for the opportunity to build a brand on the, using the bar barstool platform. And really this type of investment with a long-term ad spend and equity kicker has happened in Canada as well with Post Media and Mogo. So this happened a few years ago where Post Media agreed to provide $50 million worth of ads over three years to Mogo. In exchange, Post Media was then given warrants for a three-year term that would allow them to buy roughly 14% of Mogo's shares in addition to a royalty that worked out um, between 4% to 11% for those for those next three years depending on whether that was incremental to what was brought in and so it really isn't that unique of a deal in that sense but nonetheless it's very interesting and it will be interesting to follow how much this Barstool brand can grow because now Penn is, is situating themselves to take advantage of a lot of that growth and really take advantage of that value creation for sports betting with Barstool. Just a blowout fourth quarter for one of the Fang stocks, Amazon, just really crushing it, leading their stock to around $1 trillion in market cap. So certainly a very unique. And what happened here is they announced their fourth quarter results, pretty exceptional revenue growth, 21% to $87.4 billion, decent beat on estimates of 86 billion really the main driver here of growth and profitability amazon web services aws just a pretty exceptional business revenue growth of 34 percent to about 10 billion and really has leading gross margins and this is why you're seeing margins really expand at uh, amazon it's certainly not the uh, retail business that's for sure other highlights they now have 150 million more than 150 million paid members in its uh, prime membership. This is a 50% increase from the last time they disclosed the amount of 100 million back in spring of 2018. Shareholders loving it, stock up nearly 8% on the news. I believe it hit an intraday all-time high, which is the biggest daily jump for Amazon stock since October of 2017. Jeff Bezos, world's richest man, made what, 10, 12 billion today, so he must be feeling pretty good. Absolutely. As well, it did close just below the $1 trillion market cap by the end of the day, unfortunately. I was talking fully diluted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but as well, you mentioned the number of $150 million, uh, paid Prime members now. Now, to put that into context, I've seen estimates that each Prime member has a lifetime value of up to $3,000. So looking at that, just the value of their prime business with those numbers would be around $450 billion. Now that's not factoring in AWS or their marketplace or any of their other ancillary lines. So, I mean, this is this is just a, a very remarkable company in how they've built themselves. And I mean, the other aspect as well that was uh, that had a little bit of concerns when it was announced was their investment into one day shipping and how that would affect profitability. And what you're seeing here is that it hasn't affected profitability. And they initially estimated that it would cost them $1.5 billion to get themselves to one day shipping. And that ended up being slightly less. But when you look at it, in terms of the context of the company, I mean, if you're able to retain those prime members for any longer, that is just insanely valuable for them as a company, especially if it's only a $1.5 billion investment for them. Right. And Amazon truly is a very exceptional company. And you look at what Bezos was 
able to accomplish over the past what, 25 years since he started it as an online bookseller and look what percent of their business now is selling books online like you know, 0.0001% or something big you know they're the leader in the cloud right Microsoft quite a bit uh, behind them Prime is obviously huge. Prime Video, they're doing all sorts of stuff. They make, uh, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of products that they sell online. So a highly diversified business that looks somewhat unstoppable here and a trillion dollar market cap for Amazon or almost a trillion, I should say. And that is it, ladies and gents, for episode 51 of the Absolute Return Podcast. If you loved it, always check out more at www.absolutereturnpodcast.com. Definitely follow us on Twitter. You can find me. I'm the People's Hedge Fund champion, or is it manager? Uh, one of them. Um, my handle is at jklamochko, J-K-L-Y-M-O-C-H-K-O, and yours is? And I'm at M underscore Kessling. All right, great. Well, I wish you the best of luck in your trading, speculating, and investing this week. So until uh, next time, we'll chat with you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.